just the most amazing thing when someone comes to you and says, oh no, I'm not very good at this, or my left leg's rubbish, or I've got no turnout, or I'm not very strong, or whatever string of things they tell you. And to then see them in a couple of months doing these things that they told you they were terrible at. Like, oh, I can't do that. And just to see that shift in people is, um, I feel really lucky that people trust me to kind of be really honest about kind of how they feel about it. Hey dancers, welcome to the show. I'm Julie and I'm your host today on this episode of Broche Banter. I both own and teach at Broche Ballet, a virtual ballet school just for adults. Join us as we explore all things adult ballet. Today on the show, I chat with Rosie, a kind soul, a private ballet coach for adults and a professional dancer. Even though this was the first time we've met, we quickly connected over so many topics, including mental health challenges that dancers and athletes face, a little about our own mental health, running our businesses, and why we both love working with adult dancers. Enjoy. Before we get to the show, let's take our broche bite. On this segment, we'll talk about bite-sized ballet tidbits to give you something to chew on while you listen. Today, let's talk about what ballet training even is. What are we doing exactly, and why do we use the bar? Well, here's how I think of it. We're training our body to understand and adopt an entirely new movement pattern with our legs facing away from each other, AKA turned out. We hold onto the bar while we are strengthening and developing these new movement patterns so that our body will be comfortable enough in taking the physical risk to let our default muscle patterns go and allow the smaller and less natural muscles to learn to take over the job. When at the bar, we learn all the ways in which the body can move with the legs turned out bending, straightening, lifting, pushing, circling, etc. Then when we let go of the bar, we train our body to balance and move in this new way, building these new movement patterns into our quote unquote natural vocabulary of motion. Cool, right? Now onto the show. Well, Rosie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have a chance to chat with you today. Yeah, me too. So you are, um, tell us a little about what you do um, with adults in the ballet community. Tell me a little bit about your, about your, your life. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I'm based here in rainy, cold England. Um, and I have been dancing professionally for five years now. Um, and previously to COVID, uh, I used to do a lot of face-to-face teaching Um, and coaching adults and of course COVID came along um, and that's kind of when I sort of transitioned to doing more online stuff Um, but yeah I mean I I do a lot of freelance work um, and I dance with a company called New Works Ballet Theatre part-time obviously that's all on hold Um, but yeah I have quite a broad dance background my training was pretty much uh, you have to do everything regardless of what you're favorites are so to speak um and then kind of in the you sort of major in one or two subjects so ballet was one of mine um and then you go out into the world and uh you know end up where you end up but um and then coronavirus happens and then you're at home anyway so you know it's sort of uh, a funny old world right now but yeah so I'm normally quite busy (laughs) so when did you start dancing Um, I started when I was about, I think a few months before I turned three. Um, and my parents actually thought 
I might not like it because I was really shy and they thought, you know, it's good to get your kid into stuff. Um, And I was quite shy, but turns out that I actually just went and loved it. Um, It didn't make me feel shy. Whereas talking to people when I was a little kid used to be like, oh God, don't speak to me. I'm going to hide. But I got into a dance studio and I didn't feel like that anymore. Isn't that funny? I've found that um, mm. of people I've talked to, um, performing dance isn't as scary as public speaking. Is that the case for you as well? Yeah, I don't even know why, but it just seems to be a different feeling, I guess. I mm-hmm. guess the kind of um, like response you get when you're doing it, when you're moving, it kind of releases that positive feeling, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but I guess when you're speaking, perhaps they're I think for me, like it would be pressure to say the right thing or um, I don't know. It's funny, but I think it's definitely something about that that feels different. Even singing. I could, I mean, singing terrifies me, but obviously I get up and dance in front of people all the time. But to sing, I mean, to even start singing lessons in my apartment where someone else could hear me. Oh my God, can you imagine? Yeah, it's really strange, isn't it? How, you know, you'd think it would be the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, but it just isn't. It doesn't feel the same. <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, weird. Would you still would you still consider yourself to be shy, or have you um, have you kind of grown out of that over the years? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm that shy at all now. Um, I think, like everyone is, I'm definitely more confident with you know those people I'm closest with, but. I don't really feel that kind of nervousness now. It was just, I was just one of those children that was like, don't speak to me. I'm going to stand by my mum. You can talk to her. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, I think I kind of grew out of that. And I think dance actually was probably a really big um, help in doing that because it gave me more confidence than I had doing normal things, so to speak. So, okay. So I talk with a lot of people who started ballet as adults or people who you know, did it as a kid and took a long break and came back as an adult. But I don't get a chance to talk to many people like yourself who started as a kid, went through it, became a professional and did a little bit more of that traditional, what we think of as a dance route. So I'm, I just want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what was that like? Did you have, you know, I hear a lot of people who left dance because of issues with being a teenage girl in, in a teenage girl environment with issues about body image with issues about difficult teachers I mean did you experience any of that what's that going what's what's going on in that world yeah I think it's a really mixed bag and I think that would be a definite kind of reason to stop people I definitely have moments where it did it was difficult like you say to be a teenage girl like to be wearing a leotard all the time to feel kind of judged like even just I think as a teenager everyone you want everyone to like you and you know, you want everyone to think you're doing good. And I think that was definitely hard. I would consider myself still to be a perfectionist. Um, And I try now as an adult not to kind of, you know, fall into that trap as much. But definitely as a teenager, it was a kind of difficult thing. Um, Difficult teachers as well. I was really fortunate that when I was at the kind of most tricky age, maybe 13 to 15 Mm -hmm. is probably that kind of really awkward, horrible stage. Yep. Um, I had really, really lovely understanding teachers at that point in time, Mm -hmm. but moving on to professional training, I had some incredible teachers and I also had some teachers that were amazing teachers, but they were very old fashioned. Mm -hmm. And so they would still make those, 
comments that nowadays we would kind of consider unacceptable mm-hmm. um you know commenting on your body or the fact that you didn't look as good as someone else or that she was better than you or why did you do this you know really quite personal things um and I found that very difficult to be honest and I, I think you'd be hard pressed not to find that difficult even if you were a super confident person um so yeah I think taking the traditional route like you said of kind of starting young and and knowing that that's what I wanted to do um definitely kind of had was a big focus in my life from a young age I always knew that I loved dance and that was it um it took up a lot of my time and mostly that was a very very positive thing Mm -hmm. um but I I would say that I am someone who found the judgment side of the dance world quite difficult to handle um and I think I probably find it easier and more tolerable now Mm -hmm. than I did when I was in that kind of training period of my life I I think I would kind of compare that environment to being a kind of incubator for competition like Mm -hmm. you're literally told like you know, you're here to make friends, but you're also not here to make friends because realistically in three years time, everyone in this room is your competition. Mm. Um, and it's not like a great mindset to have about the world, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think in that environment, you do make friends and it is kind of this weird relationship with, okay, like, I really like you, but like, are you better than me? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I'm not sure that's a very good uh, environment. Um, and I think having left that and gone into the world, what I see it as now is that there is a place for everybody in the creative world. And I don't think it needs to be such a, a cutthroat situation. I mean, there are situations where I've rocked up at auditions. I've got up at five o'clock in the morning, stood at an open audition and then got cut like three minutes into it, having been up for three hours. Like you just think, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Um, Like I'm going back to bed now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is cutthroat, but equally I think the world of dance and of any creative industry is much broader than we think it is. Mm -hmm. I think there are more avenues that you can take as well that maybe you aren't introduced to. And I think the older I get, the more I kind of say no to things that I don't want to do and look for the jobs that I really want to do (laughs) rather than like in the beginning, you're like, okay, I have got to take anything that is offered my way, whether it's great or not, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just don't think that's true. Like I think you have to find your own kind of way in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's, you know, fear can be a great motivator. And it's the easiest thing to motivate people with is fear and saying, if you're not harder, if you're not a good person, if you're not whatever, then do, then you won't make it right. That's an easy thing to, I mean, it's not easy in in that it's like easy to tell someone that they're not a good enough person or whatever, but it's like a simpler way to motivate someone versus finding what really makes them tick and driving them to control their mind and control their body and like push them to their potential in a positive way. Do you, I'm curious if you have had any experience with other things other than ballet, right? Is this happening in Olympic level ice skating? Is this happening in high levels of all sports that fear is the main driver and motivator? Or is this like somehow ballet got stuck in this closet of like scaring everyone into doing better? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. I think there's definitely like a, a kind of chunk of it 
across a lot of genres of you know like you say like gymnastics yeah, um sports mm-hmm. like I think there is definitely a kind of belief that you have to be kind of scared you have to be kind of motivated by the fact that if you don't work your bum off you're not good enough right um but I think what I've noticed um definitely from where I trained I noticed a real difference between the teachers who were of a certain age those kind of younger teachers were less kind of like that they were much more about finding the way that you worked and finding what motivated you and kind of really driving home that actually having mental strength is really important and I found it more the older teachers who were stuck in that kind of uh more old-fashioned way of thinking and I imagine that that's the case across the board I imagine that generationally hopefully we're going to kind of phase it out (laughs) Um, because people are more educated now and I think people are more aware that actually there can be a lot of negative effects of like scaring people and kind of not treating them as kind of an individual as well as whatever sport you do right yeah I think it's um uh, I've, I've, I teach mostly adults, as I know you work with many adults as well. And yeah. over the years, I've had a chance to work with just a couple of kids. But I had in the beginning spoken with some parents of kids. And I think for a lot of people, my teaching style wasn't hardcore enough or like they wanted the environment for their kid to be pushed to the limits and like leave the class almost in tears. And like they wanted that intensity for their kid. And that was just fascinating that also there's a mindset that my kid is never going to be good enough if you don't if you as a teacher are not going to give them that experience or like they, yeah. Have you, have you seen that? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, because I would say that I am someone who challenges a student, but I never want someone to leave feeling negative about it. Right. Um, I, you know, for me, that just isn't, that doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel like, I don't feel like I've done a good job if someone leaves feeling like terrified of what we just did or, you know, like really bad about themselves because it was too hard. Like I just, for me, that doesn't work. I don't feel good about that. Um, But I would say there are definitely a, having done quite a bit of work with kids as well, I would say there are like a a bucket of parents who, who believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, who want their child to be the best and perhaps want their child to be the best, maybe more than the child wants to be the best. Um, and mostly I found that at some point that child just stops dancing mm-hmm. because when they get old enough to kind of make that decision themselves, they're not going to want to do it because someone else has been like forcing them and pushing all this pressure on them. Like, and that for me is the beauty of working with adults is that they've chosen to be there. They've chosen to show up and they want to work hard And in that environment, I don't feel the need to be this terrible, scary person to push them because they want to push themselves. That's why they came, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I I had my, the the woman who taught me how to teach, um, her name's Beth. She taught me how to teach. She kind of gave me my start in teaching ballet. She, her number one rule was always make sure they leave with a smile on their face. So finish with Shandma, finish with something fun. Like you can push the heck out of them all class, but you have to make sure that they leave having had a good experience. And what workout class do you go to that they don't try to pump you up at the end? Like what workout class ever as an adult do you ever go to where they're like, let's make these people feel like garbage. That's how we keep them. Yeah. Like that's not how you exactly. keep them open, right? You, you need people to feel like they want to keep coming. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that's what's so fascinating about the way the dance world sometimes conditions you to think that you need to kind of be that kind of 
bully almost like because like you say I mean I have never gone to a gym where their sole aim is to make me feel terrible about myself because quite frankly I would not return like (laughs) um I did actually have it's quite comical in hindsight we had one teacher who like came maybe once a year and he was terrifying I don't think I've ever been as scared of anyone more he turned up and it was all like fitness and he would just like batter you for the hour and a half that you were there he would have us running around the streets he'd have us doing star jumps on the corners of like the city center like and it was just brutal like you know you left that class feeling that you were going to throw up or pass out and it was horrible it was absolutely horrible and he was just of a generation where that was the way that you teach people to get fit Mm -hmm. and I mean, I remember I went, I think in the first year, in the second year, like I was a very like diligent student. I never really missed anything. Like I was like, okay, even if this isn't my class, like I've got to show up and put the work in. And I think in the third year, I actually just didn't go because I was like, this is going to ruin my week. And I know it's going to ruin my week because I did it the last two times and it was awful. Um, So I don't really understand why it is that in dance, there is this kind of like, oh, you should feel like inadequate to be pushing yourself right yeah that's odd I don't know and I want to back up to where you mentioned you you just mentioned it in passing but I think it's a really important point that I want to dig back into you said mental strength is super important right you're talking about dealing with all this stuff right and you just slipped in there mental strength is really important can you what do you what's tell me more it is and I think I'm learning more and more about that all the time um what is for me for me it's being able to manage how I feel in a dance context so not feeling bad about myself because I didn't execute something as well as I did the day before Mm. um and also being able to use dance as a way to support how I feel Um, And I think that's perhaps easier for some of the adults that I coach because it's um, an addition to their life rather than their job. I think when it's your job, there's like that extra pressure to, to push yourself. Um, But I, I think sometimes you reach a point where your desire to improve and get better starts to chip away at how much you're enjoying something um, because you're more consumed by I'm not good enough I did a terrible job uh, everyone else is better than me or anything of that variety <laughs> um, there are millions of kind of versions of that thought um, and for me like mental strength is being able to work on that and not just get stuck in the trap um I'm definitely not a finished product in that way whatsoever I mean is anybody I don't think so um (laughs) if they are like I need their tips um I know (laughs) bottle it up and sell it to me please and Um, thousands of dollars we'll pay thousands of dollars for that oh my god (laughs) I would so do that I really hope someone's working on that somewhere um (laughs) they're gonna be very rich one day yes um but I've had a lot of issues with anxiety and I don't think it's something that ever completely disappears. Like it's something that you have to be aware of all of the time. Um, And I think now as time passes, there is a lot more focus for dancers on that than there was when I was training, even though it wasn't that long ago. I think it's constantly kind of growing that 
they realise that actually the mental health of performers is very, very important. I think the mental health of anybody who does any kind of freelance work, self-employed, runs the business, I think that's not talked about enough. Because when you are, I'm sure you found, when you are the sole provider of anything or you're selling yourself, like, that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I think... Uh, people who perhaps work a, a standard job who rock up at their job and finish at five o'clock and go home probably can't empathize with how kind of emotionally taxing it can be to be the kind of the front of the ship all the time mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you felt that at all yourself but I know for me there are days when I'm like okay we just got to do this today come on let's go um, you know, and I think that's perhaps something that's quite different if you just, you know, work in an office or something and you come home and you turn the computer off and that's it. Um, you don't have that, do you really? Um, unless you create that for yourself. Um, I'm not sure how good you are at that, but I, I find that a challenge sometimes. I have to force myself to be like, okay, I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm going to switch Instagram off. I'm not going to reply to any more messages. I'm not going to create any more content. I'm not going to go and train. I'm actually just not going to do that for the next three hours or something. Um, yeah, for me, that's a challenge. Um, totally. I don't know whether, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir, girl. <laughs> I think it's because it's something you love, right? Yeah. If you do something yeah. you love, then you're more likely to want to spend more time doing it. Right. If you hate your job, then switching off your computer at five o'clock is probably the biggest relief in the world. You're just like, oh God, thank God. I'll go home now and enjoy my life. Um, you know, yeah. but, you know, if you enjoy what you do, like, it's very easy to fall into the trap of working constantly. And I think for me, coronavirus has taught me how much I was working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I kind of hadn't realized that I was always ridiculously busy. Um, And I think in in doing anything creative whatsoever, whether you're performing, teaching, uh, drawing, illustrating books, anything like that, like I think you're taught that or you somehow come to believe that if something's offered to you you should take it because you don't know when the next opportunity is coming right like and it kind of for me that means okay well I'm not confident enough in myself that I'm going to get another job so I just have to take this one even though I don't want it right um I there's so much there's so much there right there's so much there in what you just said because um you know as we look at being a, having a dancer mentality, ballet specifically, and then also running a business in ballet, you, there, you can work on a thousand things, right? You can work on your feet, you Always. can work on your fourth toe, you can work on your eyebrows, you can work on your facial expression, you can work on your elbow, you can work on your core, you can like, what, what can't you work on, right? There's so many things. All yeah. <laughs> like for me, I can work on not sticking my tongue out, right? There's because I always do that when I dance, right? There's so many things that we can work on. And of course, um, when you're running a business, there are just as many, if not more things you can work on. You can work on yeah. your branding. You can work on your logo. You can work on your messaging. You can work on how well you talk to people. You can read books. You can follow influencers. You can, I mean, God knows, you know, you could literally do a million things. And, and just as same as it's overwhelming to be like, okay, so I have 20 minutes. 
what should I do with these 20 minutes? It's the same thing with like, I have eight hours. What should I do with these eight hours? And you're just like, all of it, ooh, I want all of it. And then you have to like chill yourself out and be like, no, no, do eight hours first. <laughs> like chill yourself and out. And stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you yeah, want to I mean, see it. You see how many people you can help and you see how great it can be. And you can see the vision of what you want to do. You know, you have a message you want to spread, right? You have a message that you're trying to put out. You see people where you were 10 years ago and you just desperately want to help them get to where you are now. And you know, if, yes. if you just put in 30 more minutes, but that's a trap. <laughs> that's a trap because then there's another 30 minutes after that 30 minutes and then it's like midnight and you should probably go to bed. Like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think like you say, there's a never ending list. You could have a list as long as you're arm, never get to the bottom of it and just right. kind of feel like you haven't done enough. And I think with, coronavirus coming in I mean it's really changed my schedule and my outlook on how I was working before and actually just having a bit more kind of analytical mind over it and going you know what I had this like one job where I didn't enjoy it and I only did it because I felt like I should do do it because it it was something in my field and and actually it was time consuming and I didn't enjoy it and I'm not going to go back to it, but previously I was like, okay, anything, I have to take anything because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's partly an age thing as well. Like I have a bit more kind of like maybe a bit less tolerance now for like some of the jobs that I maybe did like straight out of college. Like, you know, now I'm kind of like, okay, well, this is what I really love doing. So I'm going to just go for those things and keep growing my own business and not kind of feel this obligation to do everything all the time. But I think it requires a lot of confidence because as you said, when you're freelancing, you don't know when the next opportunity is coming along. And so you have to gain enough confidence to know that if you say no to this, it's not going to ruin your like you're, you're going to be able to pay rent next month, right? Like you need to, exactly. it's like a very, um, I don't, it's, it's quite challenging. You have to believe that you're, that someone out there will want to offer you something else if you say no to this. Right. Um, and it's kind of hard because it's not in your control at all. Like um, I've gone to auditions where they cut me because I wasn't tall enough. Like, right. or they picked only blonde people. Like it's, ridiculous reasons but that's the way it is um and I think it's taken me quite a long time to kind of feel like where I'm living now that I have kind of a broad enough network to have things that are coming um so I moved where how long have I been here nearly three years now um and previously to that I was dancing abroad so I had this like security of like, okay, well for the next eight months, I know that I'm performing every night and I've got this job, but then it ends and I came back here and I was like, oh, okay, I have to start again now. <laughs> like, um, and I think now I've been here for a little while. I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit more experienced. Like I have that, that confidence now that there's enough going on in my world that I don't need to just kind of do something that I hate <laughs> um, or do something that is underpaid or the conditions aren't good um and that's one of the things that I like about running my own business is that I get to set those conditions for myself right. so am I gonna do something that requires me to stay up at 2 till 2am no 
Mm. Am I going to, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's a never ending challenge, like you said, because then there's the flip side of, well, you could be reading more books or you could be working on this or you could be, you know, so there's still that kind of temptation there, like the yeah. dangling carrot of like, Ooh, I want to do all of the things. Right. Um, but at least I think you have a little more say in it. Like if you kind of open your eyes a bit, you go, okay, actually that was a bit ridiculous that I was awake for like that many hours yesterday. We're not <laughs> going to do that today. <laughs> um, so I, I, we, we talked a lot about um, words like you use in that sentence where you're talking about a job that you didn't like, you know, I should do it. I'm supposed to do it. Like these, these words, I feel like whenever I hear these words, like I've trained myself to like set off alarm bells, right? You know, you hear the word, no! <laughs> what do you really, yeah. what, what do you think? I agree. Like, I think, um, oftentimes I think what I've noticed is that anyone who seems attracted to ballet tends to be more of an I should person. Mm. tends to feel maybe a bit more is perhaps quite self-motivated perhaps has quite good attention to detail uh perhaps wants to challenge themselves and I think there's something about it that tends to draw for the most part that kind of person and I think like feeling the pressure to do certain things a certain way whatever level you are there's that level of self-pressure and that self-pressure creates an I should mentality. I should be doing more than I'm doing now. Mm. I should be working harder. I should get up at stupid o'clock to do X, Y, or Z. Um, I think it's just a self-pressure thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think for most people, it's definitely for me, it comes from a lack of confidence that I feel I should be doing more. And like you were saying, you try to set off those little alarm bells in your head. Like, mm, why am I saying I should be doing that? Like, does that actually make sense? Yeah. Probably not. Like, you know, and I think I'm getting better all the time at trying to do that. And I think it just goes back to the fact that I love it. And so that pressure perhaps doesn't feel like the same pressure as it would be if it was, you know, if I worked in a bank and I just felt like I, sh I should work harder, that would probably be less attractive because I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> um, so I think it's kind of a boundary thing, isn't it, with yourself yeah. of, okay, well, I want to achieve X, Y, or Z, but that doesn't mean I should be doing something that's ridiculous during the kind of A to Z journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I've been in, I mean, I, when I first graduated college, I worked in the professional setting um, as a computer programmer for the first three years, four years, and then worked as a product manager in a software company for another two to three years. So that was my initial background was doing that, you know, nine to five thing. And I think when you are this type of person, that is also stressful in a different way because you still want to work really, really hard and you still have that same drive, but yet you don't call the shots. So if there's something going on that you disagree with, and it's going to be the same in dance too, right? If you're in a company and you don't like something about the choreography or you have no control over it, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're expected to do things that you maybe don't believe a hundred percent in. And that can be really stressful in its own way because you're working really, really hard, but for something that you maybe don't a hundred percent believe in. And I found that to be the most stressful part of that environment. Whereas yeah. now, of course, I believe a hundred percent in everything I'm doing, but stopping the fire hose is the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Like, I think 
I mean, just like most people, when I was at college, I also had like two part-time jobs, you yeah. know, every, you know, students are poor. Let's just, <laughs> you know, put that out there. Um, so I worked in like a sort of pound shop, like a cheap pound shop. And I've also worked as a waitress and I worked doing phone calls for a company. And just like you say, I still had that drive. I still wanted to like perform well in that setting, even though I didn't care about it at all. Um, I say, you know, I was like, why am I putting in so much work to this for like minimum wage? Like, you know, why am I doing this? But I think like you say, if that drive is in you, it's in you and it's going to be kind of a challenge to rein it in, in whatever setting. But I mean, I think it's a good thing. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think nobody ever achieved anything great without having a drive to do it. Like you just have to kind of have the drive to do it and also remember to like get enough sleep and, you know, do the other things in your life as well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think um, I have come to, learn that I need to be able to tell myself that I am good enough, even though I still want to be better. Those are not mutually exclusive words. Um, yes. Really challenging to be like, my business is good enough, but I also want it to be better. Me as a dancer, I am good enough, but that doesn't mean I can't also want to improve. Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> yes, a million percent. Yes. I think that's the challenge isn't it really to know that there are things that you want and to not let that mean that well what you're doing now is trash because like you know you're not where you want to be I think it's kind of one of those things where you'll never there'll never be an end point because there'll always be something that you want to tweak whether it's in business or in dancing that there could always be something like oh like actually let's just kind of change the direction or that finger wasn't right. Like, and it sounds silly, but it's true. Like there are always things that you can change um, and tweak, but it's not really worth it. If all the time you're doing it, you just think, Oh, well I should be doing better. Like, because you're not actually, you're not going to enjoy it then. It's just going to be this like really painful slog the whole time. Right. Um, which I don't think anyone really wants to do. So I think, yeah, you're just bang on. Like you have to try to have a bit of patience, I guess, with yourself. Like even though you're already driven, if it's not perfect this second, the world isn't going to like fall apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like sometimes, but yes, you're totally right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes like, you know, and there are days where like still I just end up in that trap of like doing something 50 times over and over again because it wasn't perfect blah 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 blah, and you know get really stressed about it um so I think even once you've noticed that it's still not going to be perfect like there are still going to be days where you overwork because you're really enjoying it and you just really really want to get it right um but yeah I've definitely like the older I get I think I'm definitely noticing more that you have to enjoy things like as they are because especially if it's like a limited time thing, like you don't want to spend like the whole time just kind of wishing that it was better or that you were better in it. (laughs) Um, It's just not worth it. You know, it's, um, it's so true. I think so really the worst day in my recent memory was the day that I had to tell my team that I was going to close the studios. That was a horrible day, right? Terrible. Can't imagine 
doing that yeah, again. For sounds awful. <laughs> sterile, right? So I have my best friend is also named Julie. We talk every morning for 20 minutes and um, it's super fun. And that day I was just like a wreck right that morning. I was just like, yeah. it was a disaster. Right. And she's like this, but this is your life. Today is part of your life. You today don't wish today away because you today is a part of it. It's going to be who you are. It's going to keep shaping you. And even though it's a horrible day, you shouldn't wish any day away and you should just like be with the, be with these moments, even if they're horrible or you want them to be over or change. It's like that still your life is made up of these days. And I was like, Oh, that sounds horrible, but you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. Annoyingly right. That's, annoyingly right. Yeah. But I think that's an extreme example of it where like you, every single day is a, is a day that you don't get to live again. And every single day is a day that's like, you can make it what you want it to be. And it, and it, and you should because you really don't get them again. Yeah, I think at the start of like um, our kind of lockdown and stuff here in the UK, I mean, I spent the first three weeks probably like just being a wreck. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, uh, I had all this stuff that I got and now it's all like disappeared overnight. And like, you know, just right. I didn't want to answer my phone because it was usually someone calling me to tell me that something was cancelled. Yeah. Like, so, mm, I don't really want to talk to anybody because you're going to tell me something I don't want to hear. Um, and that was really horrible. But then on the flip side, the way that things have then translated online for me has been better than I could have imagined. And that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't ended up in that situation. Right. So it did have a payoff. It just wasn't instant. And I think humans tend we like instant kind of gratification don't we so you know it's it's hard in the moment like but it usually has something good after it yeah so tell me about what tell me about your business now we I mean we've got right in we went hardcore right away in the beginning of this show let's I know we yeah, just went just hardcore we went deep straight in, in. <laughs> so let's back up a sec what do you do now How rewind um, <laughs> and what are you doing <laughs> who am I hi I'm Rosie uh, nice to see you. Um, so previously to kind of moving things online, I had a very kind of hectic schedule of rehearsing and performing alongside teaching jobs kind of here, there and everywhere, um, doing kind of one-to-one -one private sessions, uh, doing a little bit of teaching for other people, kind of just, I was all over the shop really. Yeah. Um, and I've always got a kind of, there's something magical about teaching children. I don't knock it at all. Like I definitely love their kind of their little ways and their innocence and their kind of sense of magic. Um, mm. But there's something about teaching adults where I think the reward is just really unique because adults who come to dance are truly, truly invested in that journey. Like as an adult, you don't choose to go to a ballet class if you're kind of planning on half-assing it the whole time. Like you'd just go to some random aerobics class at the gym. You wouldn't hunt out a ballet class and go to it. Um, and so now my main focus is working one-to-one -one with adults. Um, we usually work across a kind of intensive uh, eight-week kind of block. And it's very kind of personal. So I really enjoy figuring out the puzzle of their body and their technique and um, working on strength and conditioning alongside working with their ballet kind of taking them where they're at taking their goals and then I kind of consider my job to be going okay this is where you want to be so this is how we're going to get there mm -hmm. um and it's it's been far more rewarding
rewarding than I thought. I was, I was frankly skeptical about going online, to be honest. Like, I didn't think I'd like it at all. Um, I'd done odd bits online because, you know, people move or whatever and they wanted to keep seeing me. Um, but it's actually just been really good. It's taken the barriers of like location away. Um, and I think also sometimes people are more comfortable if they're at home. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> so they're kind of in yeah. their own environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something to be said for that. So I coach people of all levels from people who have done ballet for years and have just never really nailed their technique or their flexibility, or they have a, a back pain that they want to get rid of. Um, kind of right down to people who have always been scared to try um, Mm -hmm. and want to kind of welcome themselves into ballet in a very kind of uh, gentle way, kind of one-on-one in a kind of not in a pressured environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's very, very personal. I kind of meet the people. uh, We do a a chat like this. Um, I don't kind of have any booking system where people just book and rock up. Um, we always have a chat first to see if they get on with me because yeah. I think you got to like the person on the other end if you're going to get anything out of it. So if they talk to me and they hate me, then that's not a good start. <laughs> um, I haven't had anyone tell me that they hate me yet. So that's good, I think. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And obviously with all the current mess that the world's in and the restrictions and everything, um, it's my main focus really right now um and I fully intend to keep growing it and keep helping people with their dancing and helping people to enjoy dance Mm -hmm. feel strong feel good about it feel confident like it's just the most amazing thing when someone comes to you and says oh no I'm not very good at this or my left leg's rubbish or I've got no turnout or I'm not very strong or whatever string of things they tell you and to then see them in a couple of months doing these things that they told you they were terrible at. Like, oh, I can't do that. Just to see that shift in people is, um, I feel really lucky that people trust me to kind of be really honest about kind of how they feel about it and, you know, look at that confidence side as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And it's also the online stuff is really flexible. Uh, sometimes I'm traveling when I'm performing. And so it means that I never have to, uh, stop doing this because mm-hmm. all I need is myself and my computer. So it's, it's great. And it ditto for people on the other end, you know, other people's schedules are changing and all that stuff. And it, I think it, it makes life easier when all you need to do is just head on to zoom. Right. Zoom must be making a lot of money out of this pandemic. Can I, I just say, doing, yeah, they're doing they're, great smashing it that's right i mean problem and opportunity are two sides of the same coin they're exactly they are each other (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think um one thing interesting thing about teaching adults is that oftentimes we've pieced together our training from different places and different people and over different times and got weird injuries car accidents weird stuff that's happened to the body right so there's so much um work to be done on an individual person where they have these random gaps in knowledge and these random things that they're rock star at and these random things that are going on in their ballet journey. So it must be very fascinating to get to work with people very, very one-on-one. And I always love that with our small classes, getting to be like, okay, here's where you're at. There's all this random stuff in here that you have or don't have that we can fill in. And then you get like a solid block. Exactly. I think like I've taught group, group classes um, as well. Um, and I do kind of once a month do a group thing on Zoom. 
um, just maybe for people that just want to come and meet me or try it or whatever, whatever the case may be. But um, I always try to keep it quite small because I found that one of my own personal frustrations as a teacher when teaching a group is that I could see all of these, all of those little gaps and things. And there's never enough time to sort them all out. (laughs) Like there's never enough time to kind of stop and really get into it. Um, So when you're just like one-on-one, someone can say, Hey, look, I have no idea what that thing is or, you know, just, I really can't do this or, you know, I did this one thing and then I can kind of do the end result, but I don't really know how the middle works. Like you can kind of fill in those gaps. Totally. (laughs) Um, That's which is nice. You called it a puzzle too. I call it a puzzle as well. It's like your, basically your pelvis is like a huge puzzle. We have no idea what's going on in there. We're going to figure out how to get those legs to turn and you know, we're just going to Exactly. Yeah, everyone's very different. Like it is a very personal thing, and I think also the way people learn is quite individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so figuring out what kind of correction and guidance works for that person, mm-hmm. um, I kind of enjoy the challenge of that. Figuring out how what makes them tick and how they kind of best understand me. Yeah. So um, what? Okay. So as a teacher, right? We are one of our big jobs and goals is to motivate and encourage people. But I'm yes. always very interested in the language that we use when we do that, right? So it's been proven that you know people who have a fixed mindset don't believe that they can improve, whereas people who have a growth mindset think they can improve. So I'm always very cautious of things that are like um, encouraging a fixed mindset and always trying to encourage people with like. Uh, things that would encourage them to say, wow, you can do this that you couldn't do in the past, or like, this is so much better than that, or what, words like that. Do you, what, are, what are your top tips there for me as a teacher? What, what words do you like to use to encourage your students that encourage them in that way? Yeah, I think I know exactly what you mean. I never want to kind of tarnish something as being incorrect or like bad. Yep. Um, I kind of more go for, okay, like, let's make it better. Mm-hmm. rather than you're doing it wrong now let's do it right um I think the other thing that I'm a really really big fan of is kind of uh creating a visual image for them so you know say I don't know turnout say they say their turnout's rubbish and they're never going to be able to turn out and I can't do it so I'm just listening to that thinking okay that's probably not true but you believe that okay um so creating an image for them of what it might be inside their body and kind of saying okay so let's imagine that you're rotating this amount take that image and rotate this amount and see where you end up so it's not that they're doing it wrong it's just that they have more available to them than they think they do and I think that's what I try to instill in people there is always more I had a teacher that used to say like if you were doing like push-ups or crunches like they would say that you are always capable of doing two more than you think you can do and I think I kind of applied that like to to capabilities in dance so if you don't think you can do jumps well actually you've probably got room for two more you've probably got another centimeter of being able to point your toes in there so I tried to kind of instill that, that, that I believe they have more available to them. And I really, really believe that. So that will eventually catch on and be like, okay, well, if she really does believe that, then maybe she's right. Yeah. 
I had a coach who'd always say one more for good luck. So I tell that to my dancers. Always one more. Yes. <laughs> I say that. I'm like, I oh, let's it. do another one for good luck. I say that. I said it this morning. <laughs> I say it all the time. I'm like, it's 2020. We need all the luck people. So let's do like five more. <laughs> yeah. We've, we need some kind of magic lamp right now. Well, That's right. Good. So I'm like, you imagine people, if all you had to do was a hundred relevates and you'd get a hundred bouts of good luck do it, do a hundred relevates. You know, if that's all you had to do, I would totally do it. I would sign me up. I'm there. I'm there. Oh, I'm, I'm there. Awesome. Um, well, let's um, just take one last minute here to um, offer any last words you have for, for people, whether that's advice for dancers or, or a, a big philosophy you have that you want to make sure you have a chance to share with the world? Um, I think probably one of the main things that saddens me that I hear adults say is that they're too old um, or that they have the wrong body or they can't dance because they have no rhythm or they can't dance because insert excuse here. Um, and I think I know how joyous it can be to dance and I truly believe that that is accessible to everybody. That feeling is available to everybody. I don't care like about any of those extra details. I don't care if you have the best feet in the world or whether you're six foot or four foot or big or small, like it really, really doesn't matter. Um, so if you want to dance, you should try it. There's no good reason not to. Amazing. Love it. It's so true. Dance, dance is worth it in every way, in, in more ways than you even would know when you started it for the first time. Absolutely. And I think people underestimate kind of what a good addition it can be to your life um, at any age, at any level. Um, and, you, you know, you just need to look, look online, see the people that have, have started that journey late, so to speak. And it's now like, you know, a staple of their life and what a good thing that is. So it's, it's totally possible. You just have to kind of bite the bullet and try it. Amazing, Rosie. Thank you so much for your time today. It was so fun to have you on the show and talk about all kinds of things. I didn't even know where the conversation would go and it went so many wonderful places. Exciting. I know. I know. It's awesome. It's really lovely to meet you. Um, well, sort of meet you. Zoom meet. That's right. Um, and yeah, I hope that everyone is staying safe and dancing. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Thanks for listening today, dancers. For more adult ballet, you can follow our studio on Instagram and Facebook at Broche Ballet. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie the Ballerina, or check out our blog and YouTube channels for more content. You can even dance with us in our online studio with daily live Zoom classes and our on-demand video library. Don't forget to have your story featured on our podcast. Email us at hello at brocheballet.com. I'm Julie Gill. And this was Broche Banter. Happy dancing!